Hello, First City. Welcome to our second week of our social distancing, you know, strategy, where we're doing the best we can to follow our local officials and government officials and making sure that we're not adding to the spread of this coronavirus. I, and yet I think it feels a little weird, doesn't it? I mean, just the fact that we're all sitting in our homes. I want to tell you, thank you for joining us online and for joining us in this service but I was talking to someone this past week, and they were saying, it, it just feels weird, and I don't know what to do, and we're sitting in our home, and I was feeling the same way, and I thought, you know, this is, I guess, how it feels when you're not serving people and you're not involved in ministry. What I love about our church is that we're constantly going and serving people and loving on people and trying to fulfill the call of God in our community, and when we're isolated from each other, from serving in our community and serving each other. It's just something that doesn't feel right about that. Uh, but I do know that the real reason why we're doing it is because we don't want to add to this, to the quick spread of this virus. They say that in this past week that it's growing at a rate of uh, you know, only two to three days, it doubles uh, with the number of people who are coming down with the virus. So. I want, to, I want to say to all of our workers in hospitals and all of our healthcare workers, they've been working so hard to prepare all the hospitals and facilities for the people who may really need these services and when their health is in jeopardy. So, man, God bless you. Thank you for all you're doing. So, as we begin talking about what we want to accomplish here this week and in the next upcoming weeks, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to walk in confidence because God is in control and he said that he would heal our land. And so that's the message that I want to bring you today. Now, before we get into that message, I want to talk a little bit about communion. What we want to do next week is we want to provide a way for families to all get together in their homes and share communion with each other. And so it could be that you are a single family unit or you may have as many kids as the Howells do. And so you've got, I think the Howells have to split their family up just to stay underneath the 10, you know, maximum person capacity. Uh, but what we want to do is we want to share in communion together. So this week, uh, I think Jesse Howell is going to send out a recipe for how to make communion bread. And what we would like is for you to involve your children. For those of you who have children, young children in your homes, or do it as a family unit. But get together and make communion bread. And go and get some grape drink, some, some, uh, some grape juice, and, and save it. And then tell everybody, we can't eat it now. We can't do that now. We're going to wait till next Sunday and we're all going to do this together. We're all going to celebrate communion together. It's just one of the vital reasons why we get together. It's central to who we are and what we believe. It is the celebration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it started in the early church in homes. Moms and dads, children, relatives would gather. They would remember Jesus Christ and what he did, and they would celebrate it in communion. So we're going to do that next week, and we want everybody to be involved. So we're all going to share in communion together as we're all individually in our homes, and it'll be something we'll have in common. So this Heal Our Land, I had a member to send me uh, this verse of Scripture in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, and I thought it was perfect for what I want to talk to you about today. And this is what that verse says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves 
and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. That's such a great promise of God. And I want us really to focus on that promise of God. That no matter what happens in your world or when you feel afraid or you don't know what's going to happen next, all you have to do is turn to me and I will respond. Not just for you personally and what you need for your salvation, but for where you're living and what's going on in your world. Now, when I was doing the background study for this, I saw this picture on the internet that someone had taken that verse of scripture and they had highlighted it with blue and red markers and made it look like the American flag. And I thought, even though it's blurry on my screen, I thought that was pretty cool. And, and I started to ask, is that what that verse is about? Is that verse really about America and, and the, the nation, our nation, or even any other nation? And more than that, they created all this apparel for it. They have this really cool shirt. You can go and buy this shirt. You know, that's this verse of scripture and you can wear it. But is it really about America? And, and, and as I started to evaluate that, the answer really is no. God is not saying, hey, America, I want to save your nation or Australia or Africa, any continent or anywhere around the world. It's not about land. It's about people. And so if you, if you don't know the story behind this verse... I want to share with you the story, and it really started with the building of Solomon's temple. And as David was exiting as king of Israel, he really wanted to build God a place where God would reside. What was very important to David was that God come and dwell among his people so they had easy access to him and would remember to follow God all the days of their life. But God would not allow David to build this glorious temple because he had fought way too many battles. And God said, you've spilt too much blood. I will have one of your children uh, to come who will become king. And that was Solomon. So as soon as Solomon became king, he built this glorious temple. And it took seven years. And they gathered wood and gold and fine jewelry from all over the kingdom. And they brought it all together. They had tens of thousands of workers working in three shifts just to build this temple. And it started on the outside with where they would offer the sacrifices of all the animals. They had this big uh, bronze uh, water bowl, the brazen, uh, and, and, and people could look in. The high priest would look in it. They could see their humanity. They would dip in it for purification. As you enter into the holy place, you have uh, the altar of incense. You have uh, you know, the menorah, the, the candles, and you had the showbread all done. I mean, they, they spent so much time because Solomon wanted to create this wonderful place where God would reside. God said, I'll live in a dark cloud. But Solomon's like, no, I want to build a, a place for you. And then when you went into the Holy of Holies, you could see the cherubim spread their wings. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was when the children of Israel were in Egypt. And as God led them out of Egypt and, and as they built this Ark of the Covenant where God would reside, as long as they had that Ark of the Covenant, God was with them. And so after seven years and after building the temple and constructing all of it, then Solomon said, man, now we can settle as God's people. 
Jerusalem will be God's holy city. This will be God's holy dwelling place. And this is where we will gather as a nation, as a people. And we will serve and worship our God. And so after the, and so as he continued to pray, he said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father, and with your mouth you have promised, and with your hand you have fulfilled as it is today. My, my dad had this vision, and we've been working on it for years, and now it, 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 it's here, God. It's for you. It's the fulfilling of the promise that you gave to David. And he continued, Now, Lord, God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, the promises you made to him when you said, You shall never fail to have a successor to sit before me on the throne of Israel. And look at this. If only your descendants are careful in all they do to walk before me according to my law as you have done. And now, Lord, the God of Israel, let your word that you promised your servant David come true. And, and it's as if as Solomon were uttering these words, he began to realize, uh-oh, we're not really good at continuing to follow God. I mean, it's a lot like us today. Our intentions are often better than our behavior, than our follow-through. We want to do well. We just know ourselves, and we're not perfect. And so as he continued to pray, it's almost like he started bargaining with God. And he started thinking, well, what if we mess up? What if we do wrong? And so in verses 22 and 23 in 2 Chronicles 6, he said, well, when anyone wrongs their neighbor, if I do something to my neighbor and it's not right, or I take an oath and, and I don't keep it, but I come back to this temple and I come and I lift my hands and I pray to you. Will you act from heaven? Will you forgive? Will you continue to keep your promise? And then he said, going further, when your people of Israel, uh, what if we've been defeated by an enemy because we have sinned? And what if we turn back to you and, and come back to this temple and praise your name and celebrate and tell you how great you are and ask for your forgiveness? W will you continue to dwell here? Will you continue to act favorably for us? Or what about when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because of our sin? Will you, con will you continue to be our God and act favorably for us? Look at this one. Or when a famine or a plague comes in the land, or blight or mildew, or locusts or grasshoppers, or disaster, or disease. If, if you have to capture our attention... In some way, by creating dry land where fires can be prevalent, eating up all of our food resources with locusts, or even sending a disease on our people, will you continue to be good if we cry out to you? This was just an amazing prayer by Solomon. And in this conclusion, God came down in that temple and in this huge way, in a mighty pillar of this fire, and it was so heavy that all the people backed out. And look at this. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they kneeled on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. And then for the next seven days, 
They dedicated the temple. They offered tens of thousands of sacrifices. All the people got together with the instruments. They worshiped God for a whole week. And at the end of the week, the Bible says they all went home happy and joyful and had glad hearts that they had spent that time with God. Then in chapter 7, it says, Sometime later, God visited Solomon to answer that prayer. So the Lord appeared to him at night. So this was, this was even years later after Solomon built his palace. And God said, I've heard your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. In other words, yes, I will dwell here among the people and this is where I will reside. And then this next verse is, is it really caught my attention. This is verse 3, the one right before our key verse of the day. And God said, when I shut up the heavens so there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. And it's like, God, do you do that? If you have to capture our attention, if we turn our backs on you, if it's almost like no one in the land is honoring and praising you and you have to do something to get our attention, what is our response? What can we hold on to? And do you do that? And so people are asking right now, is this what God is doing in our, in our world? And you just look at recent events that have happened, and, and this is where I think some of the fear is coming in, and I don't want you to be afraid. But people are asking, is that why Australia had these wildfires? When, when their land dried up and there was no rain? We can compare it to, in California, just a little over a year ago, almost 2 million acres burnt up. But in Australia, they've now gone over 16 million acres. And when you look at their, their country, it, their fires all over. It feels like their whole country is burning up. And they're wondering, is this something from God? That, is he trying to get our attention? Or with the African uh, locust plague that started last year and is currently going on now. In fact, Saudi Arabia, they had this picture, and I don't know if you can really see it, but it says that the sky is full of locusts, almost biblical, as skies darken of a devastating swarm of locusts and as they invade Saudi Arabia. And because every three months that swarm of locusts grows 20 times its size just because of the way they populate, people are really scared. Where it started here in Africa, down in Kenya, up through Sudan, Saudi Arabia, going into Iran and uh, over in Pakistan and up now into the Middle East, people are really afraid. And they're asking, is this something from God? And then, of course, with our coronavirus, now that it's a pandemic and all over the world, people are asking, is that, is that what they were talking about in Second Chronicles chapter 7? Where if God shuts up the heaven and there's no rain and, and fire you know, devours our land or if locusts eat our you know, resources or if there's something that... Ca is God trying to capture our attention and get us to stop and look toward Him? I do believe there are times when God wants to capture our attention. If we won't give Him our attention, He will do it. But that's, that's not what this is about. God's not trying to destroy people. He's not trying to, to, to separate and, and cause devastation. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. It's very simple. If ever you feel like 
your world is falling apart and you're, you're nervous about your job or your income or your family or your health, if you, and if you're really worried, God's like, all you have to do is stop and turn toward me. Seek my face and pray. I will hear you. I will forgive you. And I will heal your land. And that's what I really want us to focus on today. And so it really isn't about a country. Because he didn't say, hey, America. He said, if my people will. And so the first thing I want to talk to you right now as your pastor is, is do you belong to God? Are, are, are you part of his family? When, when he offered you and said, I, I, want you, I want to be your God and I want you to be my child, did you say yes? Because that's who he's talking about. He's like, if you belong to me, I'm going to take care of you. And, and so my first question is, are, are you a believer? Are, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Now, for Solomon, they were following God, but we have a Messiah that has come. And, and he has taken our place on a cross for our sins. And all he's asking is, are, are you a believer in me? And so the Lord knows, this is what Second Timothy said, the Lord knows those who are his, which implies that there are those that are not. And really the decision is on you because everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from their wickedness. And that's where it begins. Have you just cried out to God and say, God, I'm... I've I'm, I'm done a miserable job trying to lead my life or run my life. And, and, and I, all I know is sin and pain. And I need a Savior. I can't do it on my own. And so I fall at your feet. I cry out on the, the name of Jesus. And, and I want your sacrifice to heal my sin. And I want it to change me from the inside out. I love it in John chapter 3 because this man named Nicodemus came to Jesus and he was trying to figure out who belongs to God. And he was a prominent man, but he goes to Jesus at night and, and he just says, hey, Jesus, uh, I can tell that, that, that God is with you. How will I know if he's with me? And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And so as they just started thinking about that and talking about that, Nicodemus had a hard time with that. And he's like, uh, what do you mean unless I'm born again? Are, are you talking physically? But, but now God, you know, Jesus has his full attention. And he's like, no, no, no. I am talking about being born again. But it's not a physical thing. And he says in verse 5, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. This is a washing of a cleansing. This is where you take off the old person and put on the new. And Romans talks about this is a, a, the symbol of baptism, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, where he came to this world, took our place, took our sin, nailed it to a cross, gave up his life for ours. And he said, it's the same thing. And so if you're born of water and you let that wash over you and the spirit renew you from the inside out, then you can be born again, but it's your choice and you have to call on Jesus. I love the way Titus talks about it. When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. And it's not because of the righteous things we had done. There's no way we can earn it. You cannot be good enough. You cannot do enough good deeds. We do a lot of good things around this city. You guys do so much good stuff all around this city and for people. And I love you for it, but it's not about our deeds. It, and, and there's no way we can earn salvation. It's all about 
what He has done because of His mercy for us. He, Jesus, washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. And He generously poured that out with His Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. This is all because of Jesus. And because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And that's my plea. My first plea is, man, I just want you to belong to Jesus. I want you right, this is the time right now where you begin to ask, am I a believer? Am I a follower? Do I, do I just go to church or am I really a believer? Have I given my life to God? And if not, this is the time where you begin to just offer yourself to God. Offer up your own prayer. Lord God, I need you to save me. And it's only through Jesus Christ. This is the way it's said in Acts chapter 4. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so, man, my first plea, give your life to Jesus. Completely become one of his people. And then he says, if my people will, and he gives us three things. And I'm going to give you these three, and then our message is over. The first one is, he's looking for humility. He said, if my people will just humble themselves, if you'll just, if you'll submit, if you'll stop, if you'll keep trying to live life your way and run your own way, but if you'll just stop and let me, you know, help you, if you'll completely submit to me and do whatever I'm asking you to do. And sometimes, you know, humbling yourself is a difficult thing to do. We are humbled often because we didn't get something right or we messed something up. And oftentimes people have to work very hard to get us to humble ourselves. But he's like, all I want you to do is to submit before me. And then number two, I want there to be a spiritual hunger in you. If you will seek my face, and it's all about prayer, if you'll just turn to God. And during this time, especially if you're nervous, especially if you're worried or wondering what's going to happen next, all God, all he wants is to hear from you. And so he says, just seek my face. And then number three, he said, I'm looking for holiness. Will, will this amount to you turning from your wicked ways? And these are the three things that God is looking for. And then he said, if you will, humble yourself. And if you will seek my face and pray. And if you will turn from your wicked ways, then, here's his promise, I will hear you, I will forgive you, and I will heal your land. I think that's a really good message for us where we are today. We will get through this. We will get beyond it. God is in heaven and he is good. He is not looking to destroy our land. He's not looking to keep all this social distancing. He's not celebrating in this event. And we're not going to let the enemy win in it. What we're going to do is we're going to seek the face of God. We're going to stand and be the church of God. We're going to be a light in a dark community. And we're going to celebrate what God has done for us. And with humble boldness, we're going to continue to go into our city and celebrate what Jesus has done for us, believing that he will keep his word. He will heal. He will forgive. He will hear our voice when we cry out to him. And that's our prayer. So I want to pray with you. And I don't, I, I don't want you to be afraid or nervous or scared. And man, I'm telling you, I miss you. As you're standing here in the auditorium, I just miss you being here. And I can't wait to see you again. And we will see each other soon. Until then, can I pray with you? Lord God, we believe this passage of Scripture to be true. We know there are times when you seek to get our attention. Or if just 
the natural cause of things for people who turn their back on you, it brings about things that are not good. And Lord God, we want you. We seek you. We hunger for more of you. Help us, Lord God, to be your people and to turn our face toward heaven, to repent before you and to seek your face. We want to be a holy people. But right now, God, we need you as much as ever before. We've never seen something like this in our world. And just like Peter said, when you ask the disciples, are you going to leave me too? Peter's response was, Lord, where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. So Jesus, we just give ourselves completely to you. Thank you for all that you have done for us. We love you. We give you our hearts, our whole hearts. Thank you for hearing our voice. In the name of Jesus, amen. I love you. God bless you.